0: Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges, and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks.
1: Welcome to Digital Voices. Today, we talk about a topic we haven't spoken about yet, but is so critical to all of healthcare and life sciences and our patients, and that's behavioral health. And I have Rob Cohen with me today. And he is president of APRIS Health. And we're going to talk all about behavioral health and digital transformation. So stay tuned. It's going to be quite fabulous. When I think about behavioral health early on in my career, I was fortunate to serve in health systems that always had behavioral health as part of the continuum. So all the health systems that I've served with always thought of the whole person when it came to treatment and care. And it wasn't just something that was ignored. And so I just learned that that was just a natural part of the healthcare continuum, if you will, that we take care of the entire person. And when it comes to digital transformation, of course, behavioral health is right there. But we know that that's not been the case historically, but it's all changing, been changing. So we want to talk about that. So that's why I'm excited that Rob is with us. So Rob, welcome to Digital Voices. Thank you. So Rob, our our standard question everyone is used to hearing is, "What's your favorite music?" So I know you're originally from Nashville, but I won't make any judgments like what your favorite music might be as a result of that. But yeah, what do you like to listen to when you just have downtime?
0: Sure. So it is not country. I think that's where you're headed. Uh, but um, you know, my my favorite music is sort of in the realm of Coldplay, U2. Um, you know, th- those types of groups are the ones that have always resonated with me. Yeah. And today
1: is so people, you know, we don't know when this episode's going to drop. So I'll have to mention the date. But today is Bono's birthday. So it's uh, May 10th.
0: I didn't know that. And
1: he is 61 years old. The band has been around a while. I love you, Terrific. too. Uh, they're a great they're a great band. I love Bono yeah. and all all things uh, YouTube. The other question we like to ask, just so people get a feel for who you are, is do you have any sort of life message or mantra, passion, something that's sort of like your North Star that that reverberates with you?
0: Sure. You know, um, my North Star or, or maybe a couple of them that I certainly try to impart upon my kids are, are, are I think two, twofold. One is commitment and, and two is integrity. And, uh, you know, as I talk to my kids about those, it, it's all about, first of all, deciding in life what you're passionate about and then being committed to it. And, and once you commit to it, following through and and going for it and, and, and that really flows into an integ- into integrity, which which in, in my eyes is really about your word is is gold. Your word is what you have in life and and whether that's commitments you make to others or to yourself. Uh you follow through with those and you stick to those. And um and so those are the two things that guide me the most.
1: Love it. No, that's great. And the fact that you're teaching your children that is awesome. So tell us your story, Rob. Like you're president of this company. So both on the personal side and professional side, sort of tell us your journey of how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. You know, before I got into healthcare, I I I did a few other things, a little bit of consulting and and some technology and uh and then got engaged in healthcare through a consulting project i did actually just just an independent consulting project with wellpoint a number of years ago in, in in an innovation effort and once i got into healthcare started learning about it it really resonated with me and i knew that's where i would spend my career and uh and that was due to obviously the importance of it the importance of the challenges uh, that were present and, and the number of challenges that were present. And so really the opportunity to dive in and, and help make a difference no matter how small, uh, or big, that difference, uh, it could be. And, and so that, that's really how I got into healthcare. And then, uh, I really, I found my, or made my way into population health and, and value-based care. And, and as I started working with health plans and employers and health systems and ACOs, uh, Post-Affordable Care Act in, the world of, in that world, uh, what I saw, I think, counter to, to your experience was that most of the systems or, or employers or whoever it was that, that I was working with and seeing uh, were highly focused on and, and did feel capable of addressing what I would call typical physical health needs, or that's what they would be thought of, whether they be diabetes or, or coronary artery disease or COPD and sort of those common kinds of conditions. Uh, what was often lacking was the behavioral side of those. Yeah. And and what we know today is that behavioral health contributes greatly to those conditions, as well as, to, as, well as it being a, a big problem on its own. And so I, I really saw the, the need to dive into, into behavioral health and, and try and make a difference there. Yeah, love it.
1: Yeah, so let's go down that path of behavioral health and sort of digital transformation. What has been the history of... Behavioral health and and digital has it often been automated or has it been a little bit more difficult in the past?
0: Sure, no, it's been it's been extremely difficult uh, in, in a variety of ways, and one of yeah I'd say two big challenges in behavioral health traditionally many but but two that stand out to me one is sort of the information sharing. Um, whether that be actually diagnosing folks with with behavioral health issues and therefore understanding that they're present and then sharing that um, appropriately uh, with other providers within the care continuum to provide good care. And and that's been a big challenge. The, the second big challenge has been access to care and access to treatment. Yep. It's been a, a big problem, whether that be. At the low acuity end of behavioral health, as I would call it, so to individual counselors or social workers for anxiety and depression or at the high acuity end uh, for substance use disorder, for schizophrenia, for other more uh, more serious and significant behavioral health issues. Those have been two, two big challenges. And uh, it's really where I felt technology could could begin to make a difference. And and what really led me to APRIS and APRIS Health and attracted me to this company. So
1: where do you think we are as an industry? Maybe not APRA's health specifically yet because you're advanced, but today I want to talk about the future next. But today as an industry, are, are we where we need to be or do we still have runway to move down?
0: Sure. I, I don't know. I don't know when I would ever say we're, we are where we need to be. Uh, but um, but no, we have a long way to go um, there. We have come a long way. And we have a long way to go. Uh, the ability to find treatment, uh, the ability to understand the appropriate level of treatment and type of treatment. Those have all uh, improved quite a bit in recent years uh, through the the number of people taking on those challenges uh, and the technology and other and, and, and uh, services out there to help take those on. So we've come a long way in information sharing as well, uh, but we certainly have a long way to go. Um, it's not to the level that it needs to be in, in any shape or form. So
1: where is
0: are we headed,
1: Rob? So what's what would be the ideal state? Like, what are some of the things that you think about, your company thinks about, about where we're headed? And, you know, realize our audience is chief digital officers who are very intrigued by this topic and want to embrace behavioral health as part of their overall plan across health and life sciences. So what share with us sort of the vision and, and what can be.
0: Sure. Um, you know, in terms of the things we think about every day, I'll go back to the challenges I referenced before, uh, you know, in terms of understanding uh, who has behavioral health issues and and making sure that's shared. So today we know that about 45 million Americans live with mental illness. Uh, yes. 60% don't receive treatment mm-hmm. each year. So that that's a huge percentage of those. Uh, and, and, you know, really in, in part due to COVID, you know, uh, there are 87,000 over 87,000 drug overdose deaths uh, from 19 to 20, and so that's an all-time high, I believe. Uh, whereas they were trending down before then. So when I think about those two challenges, the first one, the ability to share information and connect providers, and so we have we are seeing major improvements, and we expect to continue to see major improvements in making sure that the that the systems are there to connect. Uh, Uh, Treatment entities and care entities, if you will, primary care providers, acute care providers, behavioral health providers, they need to be able to share information about patients, uh, understand where patients are in the treatment continuum and understand the challenges they face. And we're getting there. We're seeing uh, the establishment of networks in states that are able to share this information and that allow these clinicians to collaborate Uh, Those networks can then extend into really further exposing information about treatment resources, about availability and then about getting people into treatment. So in in some ways, uh, not to simplify too much, but we call it the the open table for behavioral Mm. health treatment. Right. That is what we need. Why? Why can't we see where treatment is? Uh, if it's available right now, right? is there a reservation at seven p m or not? Right. Well, I can see that in open table right. uh, and then being able to tap that button and and getting a confirmation that, okay, I have my reservation, and I know exactly when and where to show up. Um, and so we're we're putting that in place today as well as others and uh, And so, if you consider where we are today, we have that live in ten states and and counting. Uh, These statewide networks, which allow that information to be shared and and those referrals to be made. And then the final piece or one of the final pieces is extending further to to know if that patient did indeed show up to treatment. Mm, Right. And then following their journey through treatment to understand uh, what challenges are they facing on an ongoing basis? And, And therefore, how does that need to be shared back with primary care? and and others that participate in that patient's treatment. So it's really that complete loop, uh, closed loop system of information that applies to both diagnosis, challenges, availability, all of it that that we think is really needed to improve it. And and that's where we're headed.
1: So, Rob, how do you view technology? So those are really admirable goals, objectives, the future. uh, I love it. And I can understand and, and relate to what you're talking about how How can technology help be an accelerator? How do you view technology to help accelerate you to get there
0: sure it's it's an enabler technology is an enabler uh, it can't accomplish anything on its own uh, but it is necessary to accomplish uh, a lot of these types of things and so uh, the the information sharing uh, is re- relies on technology. Uh, The in some cases, the diagnosis relies on technology if it's in the form of assessments that providers give to patients, if it's in the form of complex machine learning to, you know, to understand what's happening with patients, that type of thing. And then uh, in terms of sharing information about treatment uh, and about that, that ability to make those reservations and that sort of thing, obviously also a, a technology use case. So it makes it makes the job easier of providers. It gives patients the tools they need to understand their treatment and where they're headed. Um, But what has to be um, added to it, uh, if you will, are the services around it, whether that be the direct care. Obviously, the treatment still has to happen um, or, in fact, just things like managing the network uh, and are the providers communicating as they should be. Are they using the tools in the right way? And if not, how do we help them? Uh, And so you have to add you have to have the services uh, and the technology to really to really make all this effective. Yeah. Um, So, yeah,
1: yeah, that's great. That's great insights. And as I mentioned, mostly chief digital officers who are part of our digital voices community and think very insightful for for all of us to understand that. Can you share with us one or two success stories of that you've experienced, your organization has experienced in doing some of these things? Because I imagine, given uh, who you are as a leader in your company, as a leader in this space, that you've had quite a bit of success.
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, one of our earliest OpenBeds customers was the state of Delaware, and, um, and they adopted it uh, very early on, the, the network of behavioral health treatment, and we've rolled that, that out across the state, And what we're seeing in Delaware now is is over 30,000 referrals per year uh, of patients into both mental health and substance use disorder treatment. Uh, We've seen the, the quality of treatment improve throughout the state, and we've seen the types of services and the number of services that those entities are providing improve. So what happens is not only are you simply referring patients into treatment, but you are delivering and exposing all this really critical data that just didn't exist before the the manual process of finding treatment for people you're not able to gather the data on who is going where what are the challenges when people are having a challenge finding treatment why is that and so through these networks in addition to just improving the direct patient care uh, we're exposing this data, which we then use to help the, the treatment entities understand how to improve and the state understand how to help them improve. Yeah. And so that's what we're seeing in Delaware. So a, a huge, uh, a huge lift in the ability to serve those the, the citizens of the state of Delaware. And we're starting to see that in the other states as well. I would add uh, another example um, is uh, Yale New Haven, uh, obviously a very well-known academic medical center. Uh, where they're using some of our uh, data tools around prescription drug monitoring programs to understand a risk of addiction and, and substance use disorder and the and the risk of prescribing controlled substances. And through the use of those tools in the emergency department, uh, they're making a difference in, in the lives of patients that are coming in uh, with much faster. The ability to, to diagnose those patients much more quickly uh, because they have better data now and maybe uncover things that might have been hidden otherwise that may change the course of treatment. So those are two examples where uh, where we see a big difference.
1: Yeah, that's why we love digital voices and we've created this community is because it's really heartwarming to hear stories of how we're leveraging technology to really improve people's lives and, you know, building the networks like your company does and making it happen. But uh, technology really is a part of the overall uh, healthcare care continuum, if you will, you know, part of the. Enabler, as you mentioned, Rob earlier, and so it's really important that we remind ourselves, you know, how critical the enabler is, and also not to forget about uh, behavioral care because it's 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 so critical to to the health of a nation. So, how do you stay connected with clinicians and patients? So, you're part of a company. I always ask myself the same question. You know, you're a leader of a company, and you're building things, but how do you maintain that connectiveness to really understand what the needs of the patients are and the providers?
0: Sure, I, I think there are both informal and formal ways of, of doing that, and we employ both. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Nishi Rawat, who's the, the our chief medical officer and the founder of our Open Beds platform, actually, uh, she she stays connected with sort of clinical heads of of different uh, customers within our networks and within our customer bases and just through those relationships and through those discussions uh can understand the challenges that are ongoing uh, what's working what's not working uh and and uncover opportunities where we can continue to help and help in, in new ways uh, so those types of informal um, relationships and methods are one way to do it uh, the second through formal things so for example we have uh user groups and so we have quarterly user group meetings of of CMIOs, for example, of leading health systems where we gather and we understand how they're using our solutions, uh, what other challenges they have, as I mentioned, and so where we can improve either in what we're currently doing or what else we could offer that could help them uh, address these issues. So uh, both methods are really, really important, I think, to, to maintain close to your customers and close to the market.
1: No, it's great. And... Rob, it made me think about who do you typically work with uh, in a payer or on a provider side or, or the government side? Is it a CMIO who's usually the one that says, hey, we need something like this? Or is it a chief digital officer? What is there a typical sort of persona that you work with?
0: Sure. In in a health system scenario, it can often be the CMIO at times it's the CMO. Um, there are times when it might be the the medical director of the emergency department mm. if if they're really looking for an emergency department specific uh, solution, for example. So, so some mix of those uh, in a in a payer scenario, it would often be uh, a population health leader uh, w- within the company or medical management, for example. Right. Uh, and um, and those types of those types of folks.
1: Yeah, no, it's very, very interesting. So this has been a fabulous conversation. Just bringing to light the importance of behavioral health first and foremost, and the patient perspective there, and then you know how we leverage and utilize technology to really help bring about solutions, because it is a a big issue. As and you shared some very startling statistics, and you know this is one way what your company is doing, and you as a leader, and what we in technology, digital side can all work together to really bring about solutions. So given all that, I wanted to leave the final word with you, Rob, is there something else that perhaps we didn't cover or you wanted to double down on related to our our discussion today?
0: Sure, I I would just double down on the fact that we are making a lot of progress in this world. Despite that progress, you can see we have sort of counterbalancing forces such as such as COVID and, and the issues that created over the past you know, year, year and a half, which have led to some of those startling statistics I mentioned. And so the work, you know, never ends. It just gets more difficult. But uh, the the effort and investment is going to the right place and uh, and it needs to continue and, and will continue. And so. Um, you know, the innovation is is impressive and it's there from from a, a lot of entities in this area. But it needs to continue because this has been a, a side of healthcare, if you will, that has been ignored for too long. Yep. And I think everyone's realizing it now and um, and it can have such a tremendous impact on on the health of the nation, uh, as well as the, what we know are critical issues such as healthcare costs which are out of control in, in, in the country. And so these are all things that need to be addressed. So we're certainly dedicated to it. We're going to continue to be dedicated to uh, uh, to improving these issues.
1: Well, thank you, Rob, so much for your leadership and for your company, what you all do to to help with, the like we said, you know, the health of our nation. And it's been very thought provoking. And again, just highlighting the criticality, the importance of behavioral health in our society today. So thank you for being our guest. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you, and talk to
0: you soon. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service, and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.